Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, Special Operations Military News, and Straight Talk with the Guys in the Community. And hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Software Radio, Software Radio on time, on target. Uh, we have a great podcast lined up for you folks this afternoon. We're talking uh, with another politician who's running for state rep. Uh, a couple of months ago, we, we spoke with a gentleman, a retired Marine Corps colonel who was running for office in Kentucky. And now we're going to talk to another lieutenant colonel, um, Ingrid Centurion, who's running for state rep in the state of Massachusetts. We want to welcome her to the podcast uh, Mrs. Santorium, welcome to Soft Rep Radio. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, I know that uh, reading some of your bio, you're an Iraq War veteran, and uh, as well as being a small business owner, but you are a pilot. And share with our listeners a little bit about your military career. Yeah, sure. Well, I started flying when I was 16 and became a private pilot at 17. And so I share that story with everybody because uh, I knew what I wanted to be at a, at a young age. And I saved all my money and uh, $3,000, and my mom drove me out to the airport, and I became a private pilot four months later. 
And then I decided, okay, I love this. I want to be a commercial pilot. And by the time I was 21, I had my commercial license. I was actually a CFI, double I, multi-engine instrument instructor. So my dream at that time was to go fly for the airlines. I want to be that airline pilot, Delta pilot. But I got an Army ROTC uh, scholarship. So after college, I had to go into the military and serve. And I got active duty and... I was in flight school down at Fort Rucker. Uh, females back then, you know, we got the uh, Huey transition, and then after that, we would go to maintenance test pilot school. Most of the girls were logistics or maintenance, so I, I became a maintenance test pilot, and uh, my first assignment was in Korea. And back then, we flew single pilot. I remember flying all by myself along the Korean border, and I share that because today, young kids at 17, 18, they all need to take on more responsibility and, and really grow and mature. And we need to um, put more responsibility in our kids and uh, get them working as young as possible so they understand and have a strong work ethic. So then I went in after, after that, I went into, you know, I was on active duty. From, from there, I... Um, Went to Korea, came back. As far as my whole 20 years, I was stationed at Fort Belvoir, Fort Belvoir, Virginia. I flew VIP mm -hmm. there. Uh, we had a Hueys and Blackhawks in that unit. I was there for a long time. And then from there, I was sent to Fort Rucker. So down at Fort Rucker, I was uh, had a company command there. My second one, I had one at Belvoir. And then I was in charge, uh, being a maintenance uh, officer, I was in charge at one time of all the helicopters down at Fort Rucker, 527 of them, all the different platforms. And every time an aircraft went down, safety of flight um, would come out. I, my job was to develop the get well plan because the Chinooks went down for parts, the Blackhawk went down for some safety of flight, the Apache went down. I mean, it was a very stressful job down there. And down at Fort Rucker, normally we have a contractor. Back then it was mm -hmm. DynCor. And DynCor, you know, was responsible for providing the maintenance services for our fleet. But that was really great. And then, um, do you want me to go over the whole career? Maybe we'll yeah, well, you, you, you can talk about whatever you want. This is your time. Now, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I love flying. You know, I yep. did start flying early. And I really was... Um, kind of like a little bit of a stick pig. I, I went from one flying job to another flying job to another flying job. So I was able to build my flight hours. Uh, then I got transitioned into a Blackhawk while I was at Fort Rucker. Mm -hmm. And I went to the instructor pilot course at Fort Rucker. And actually, yeah, let me move to the, the, the second company command that I had, which was being the first female commander of the all-male um, Hispanic flight training unit down at Fort Rucker called, at that time, it was um, the Helicopter School Battalion, formerly known as the School of the Americas. Okay. And so all the guys, whether they were GS or warrant officers, they were all instructor pilots, and many of them were of Hispanic and Latino descent. Some of them were American who, who, who knew how to speak Spanish, so that was great. So um, being the first female company commander there, that was a great experience because 
most of the Latino community, you know, they're not used to having female as their boss. And uh, so I was the first one and uh, it was great. I had a great experience and uh, they taught me a lot. You know, I learned to uh, become an instructor pilot with, you know, the old guys who flew in Vietnam and and these pilots that have, you know, 5,000, 6,000 hours. So that was a great experience. And I love teaching and I love training. And that's actually kind of like what I'm doing now. So, but then, then after that, I was offered a fixed wing transition. And, and this career that I had is very strange. Like most people, most pilots that you meet in the army or most um, retired lieutenant colonels, they don't normally don't fly three different aircraft. So that's why I say I'm, you know, was a little bit of a stick pig. And then yeah. I, then I was, then they offered me the fixed wing transition when I was a major. So I took that and I got my top secret clearance. And then I transitioned into the 15th MI battalion at, at a Fort Hood. And from there we deployed to Iraq. And, and what year was that? What year were you in Iraq? Get the years now. <laughs> yeah, My I know. Son. I know that feeling real well. Right. <laughs> was it the second Gulf War when we went in in two thousand three? I I I flew. Um, I flew, uh, and I deployed over there under the. It, originally, it was the five hundred fourth MI Brigade out of Fort Hood, and then we transitioned mm-hmm. to the five hundredth MI Brigade out of Hawaii. And oh wow. I was actually, when I first went to Fort Hood, I was in the um, S3 shop and I helped that whole um, brigade deploy to Iraq. So that was really, was a really great experience. Very, very demanding um, for, for me deploying all those units and, and transitioning them and getting, and you know, the load plan and loading the equipment and, I just remember all the the stress on the on the company commanders and all the majors as they were coming in because it, it was you know a lot long hours long days um, mm-hmm. deploying a whole unit. Right, and we were so dependent on our aircraft over there. I mean, it, it had to have been a, a very busy time at that point. Yes, it was very busy. So, and you have a military family. I, I read in your bio that uh, you've been married for over 20 years to your husband, who's a retired infantryman, and your youngest son is in the Army now at Fort yes, Benning? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So my husband's um, retired Army infantry. He was in the Old Guard, and that's where we met. Um, and my son, who was 19, just graduated from high school, wanted to go to college in Arizona. He goes out there and he joins the army. (laughs) (laughs) The recruiter, the recruiter apparently signed him up. He's uh, in infantry training. I think he's graduating next week. We can't go to the graduation. And um, then he will go back to Arizona. He joined the Arizona National Guard and the army will pay for his, um, you know, college. So that's good. So we're, he's saving us some money there and (laughs) he's studying. He's really following in my footsteps. Exactly. He's going to be getting a degree in aerospace engineering. He's going to join army ROTC at ASU. And then when he graduates, he wants to be an officer and go on active duty. So we'll see. Excellent. Yes. Well, 
Well, good luck to him, and we we wish him all the best on that. Yeah. And I, I I saw as well that you're an advisor to the Veterans Entrepreneurial Training and Resource Network. Can you fill us our listeners in on what that's all about? Yes, 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 yes. So you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, you know I love the Army, but I always wanted to. You know, when I retire, you know, I had plans to. Uh, wanted to be a consultant, right? All those mm-hmm. high-paid consultants that you see, you know, I'll say, you know, all those old guys that are, you, you see them and they're still working and you're like, you know, why aren't they playing with their grandkids, right? Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I get it now. You know, you, you, they want to stay relevant. They want to stay current. They love reading and, and learning. I think that's what it all comes down to. And you got to keep your brain active um, and and your body, right? So when I um, I moved up here when I retired. Oh, let me talk about that. So my last assignment without going through, you know, every, every assignment, my last assignment was working along the border at joint task force North in El Paso. Mm-hmm. And there I was a uh, mission planner and I would plan missions, um, in coordination with the border patrol to help surveil the border. And I flew an aircraft that I packaged with cameras and sensors on them to look for the illegals coming across the border, as well as the drug trafficking and the narcotics that come across the border. And it was really interesting to see what comes across that border every single night. And I caught you know, hundreds of pounds of marijuana with the border patrol and it's amazing how open the border is. I know that there's some border wall, but the the border is so long, right? And we're mm-hmm. talking about the ground side. Then you have the maritime side. And then you have the air. So at the time, uh, we had, this was well, like almost 10 years ago now, we had um, ultralight aircraft flying across the border, dropping um, 400 pounds of marijuana. And I was, I wanted to figure out how can we stop this from occurring. So I reached out to a company here in Massachusetts, a really high tech technology company. And I met with them and I asked them, hey, give me some ways and some capabilities of how would you take down an ultralight? And they they shared, they gave us a briefing and they shared some awesome ways we could do that. And that's how I met this company called Kinetic North America. And that's with a Q, Q Q-I-N-E-T-I-Q, Kinetic North America. And when those guys came out to El Paso to give us a briefing, um, I'll always remember it because they were so um, motivated and they had all this cool technology and they were all special operations guys. Now that I look back at it, uh, not all of them, but about four on the team. I remember there was one guy that was a retired lieutenant colonel. I don't remember his name now. But um, they came out, and I said, wow, when I retire, I want to work for a company like that. I want to be part of a team that is uh, continuing continuing to support the warfighter. And that's a culture that I would easily adapt into. And so when I retired, I actually sent them my resume and they hired me to be the product manager of the tactical robotic controller. Now that was really cool. It was called the universal tactical robotic controller. 
and this was a small handheld controller that was designed for the Marine Corps War Fighting Lab. And the Marines had developed this lightweight universal controller that would fly Class 1 UAVs, drive ground robots, monitor unattended ground sensors, and even mon and drive unmanned maritime systems. So I love technology, and I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to have this job. And that's what I did. I was helping um, get the universal tactical robotic controller into um, the Marines, into the Navy, into all the different services. I, I saw that uh, on your website. The, there's a picture. I, I take it it's down on the border somewhere uh, outside of El Paso with the with some look like Marines and Army. Uh, yeah, yeah, person. yeah. That, that photo actually was at Camp Pendleton. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, because our ground robots at Kinetic, we we had the Talon. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with it? Yeah, yeah, we had the Talon. We had the Dragon Runner, and the um, combat engineers. You know, use those for um, IED clearing and keeping the soldiers and a warfighter out of harm's way. And that's what, you know, I tell people as a pilot in Army aviation, my job is always to support the men and women on the ground with whether it was airlift or it was bringing them logistics or it was providing them um, aerial reconnaissance and SIGINT. That's what we do. We support the guys and girls on the ground, guys and gals, <laughs> um, and we want to keep them out of harm's way. Support. Excellent. So you, you moved up to Massachusetts, obviously. Um, yeah, know, I moved up here. I had never lived here ever in my life, um, mm -hmm. but I always wanted to come back east because, you know, in the army, you're signed in Alabama, you're signed right. in Texas, you're signed in Virginia, you know, you, you, you pick up their accent um, <laughs> and you're, you're, you, you, you're not in uh, New England. So I always wanted to get back to um, the East Coast because I'm originally from New Jersey. Okay. Well, you, you don't sound like you have a mass accent yet, but no, there's no, still time. No. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, most people are say you have kind of like a twang yeah like yeah, you, you, almost <laughs> sound, you almost sound virginia so oh virginia oh okay i don't know what i sound like but i think when i get upset or angry my new jersey attitude and accent comes back real quick <laughs> that's it you know it, it always comes back to that doesn't it i mean when people either get mad or they're counting to themselves they go back to whatever accent they they grew up with right i've noticed right. that so uh, I, you know, myself, I, I grew up in Mass and then uh, went Where? into the military. But uh, you can take the boy out of Massachusetts, but unfortunately, you can't take the Massachusetts out of the boy. My accent, everyone always asks me, oh, do you still live in Boston? Uh, yeah, okay. So. <laughs> Where did you grow up here? I grew up in Woburn. Uh, oh, right okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. when did you leave? I left in 19, uh, late 1979, I joined the military. Oh, and, wow, uh, you left a long time ago, and you've never yeah. been back? Yeah, and then uh, after I retired, I, I lived down south for a while, I, and then I did the Army contracting thing for a while because it was paying so well, and, you know, uh, it wasn't until about 2000 uh, my family moved back up there, 
and uh, we lived right outside of Worcester, Massachusetts, and um, we lived there for quite a few years. And now that my son went to college, and we we, we love the South, and we moved back down south, and we're living in Florida now. So, wow. Well, yeah. another reason why I wanted to move to Massachusetts is I wanted my boys to shovel snow. <laughs> I also wanted them to rake leaves because that's how I grew up. When you yep. have a when you have a uh, a strong work ethic, I think that's a good thing. It's you know, a great thing. You grow thing. up in flip flops, and you know we're out in the desert. There's not much cleaning to do out there. Uh, I, I think it's just a different way of life, different culture. Well, there's plenty of snow to shovel up there. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Although and this, that's this why, year that's wasn't... why my youngest son is like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I hate the snow. <laughs> yeah, well, th- this winter wasn't so bad. We only had a couple of storms, and uh, right. But it, but I mean, that's not a normal winter. But just so yeah, you moved up. You obviously you you worked uh, as an entrepreneur. Uh, what made you decide to get into politics? Oh, so. Oh, let me finish telling you that story. Uh, okay. You know, so I got laid off at Kinetic because of um, sequestration and the military cutback and the spending. You know, it was just like a lot of people lost their jobs uh, under Obama. And I was out of work and mm-hmm. I'm here in Massachusetts now. And so then that's when I started my own business and I started helping other business owners grow their business. I was helping small companies get contracts with the army. And, you know, it's so hard having your own business. You, 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 one have to start a whole new network. Remember I moved to Massachusetts. I mm-hmm. don't have any connections here. I've never been here in my life. And, and it's really hard for small business owners. So I got a letter from Lee Goldberg, who's the founder of veteran, the veteran entrepreneurial training and resource network. And it said, hey, you can go to this 13-week program. We'll help you grow your business. We met, and I went through that program. I was actually the first female to go through the program. And and it was great. I met Lee, and I learned a lot. And then I changed my business model after that, and I started to do speaking and training. And um, now that's what I do. Well, it's hard now with the pandemic, but I was getting paid to speak as a motivational speaker and I'm working on a book right now that's going to come out. And then as a speaker, one, you need to have a book and then you need to have a program training program. So I started to do team building sessions and soft skills, training, communication, uh, training, and just teaching corporations how to, how to build a, a a really strong team and work together. Mm-hmm. And I like that as a trainer, you know, I was an instructor pilot, uh, did a lot of that also throughout my career. And I realized that I, I do really love training and coaching and pushing people to their maximum. Sounds like you could have had a career in special ops. I could have, but they didn't let women in um, that field when, you know, when I started. Um, and then then you get married and you have children and it's tough um, yeah, to go into uh, special ops when you're away from your family so much. That part of uh, special ops was very tough on the families because back then, I mean, back when I was in, I mean, you were basically, you were a stranger in the home you know, because you were gone all the time. 
Um, they've since tried, well, now uh, they tried to rein that in. And then with the war, the, the way it's been going, uh, our guys have been tasked out and they're actually overtasked these days. But that's an issue for another time. Yeah, so, that is. Uh, yeah. And, and, and throughout this whole time, I've been taking care of my mother. And I've kind of always like kept that quiet, but taking care of a parent is a, a lot of stress as well. And sure, that's another reason why, you know, sometimes your career may not allow you to do certain things because you don't have that freedom. You have, you have responsibilities and, and she's really been, um, my, my responsibility. Um, even though I have, you know, three other brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Yeah, she I'm lives with you kid. up in Mass. Yes, yes. She's with me up here in Mass. And um, between I'm the youngest and my oldest sister, we rotate her. And so we take care of her. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're our family, we're going through something similar to that down here as well. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. Um, and you also have your own uh, local cable access television show. Is that dealing with, uh, you know, the, the same kind of, uh, you know, issues you were just talking about? Well, this is this is how that happened. 
I started speaking and I said, well, if I'm going to be a speaker, I need to have, I need to be better on camera. I need to focus on uh, what, you know, when, when you see the people on TV, you, it's like, do they have classes for that? How do they do that? You know, I'm a pilot. I have never had any classes in speaking or communication or, or pronunciation or the tone of your voice. And these are all the things that I learned um, at the TV studio. And so I'm the producer. I lay out the story. And really, being a great speaker is just storytelling and sharing and connecting with your audience. And most people that strive to be a speaker, they may not realize that initially. And if you're not connecting with your audience, then you're, you're not that good of a speaker. And, and that's what I needed to do. And so through having this TV show, which I like, you know, motivating people, it's called Inspiring Careers. And I learned how to angle the camera. I learned how to do lighting. I learned how to edit. And, and it's really about building that story. So that has really helped me actually now that I'm going into politics because in politics, you have to speak to people, you have to have presence and people need to trust you. And if they can see me on camera, that will really help. And, and I've been able to do that. I'm, I'm sharing my issues, what I believe in on video. And that's been really great during my race. So, yeah, uh, speaking of which, you know, you, you decided to throw your hat in the ring for state rep. And uh, what what made you decide that? Was it just because of the situation that's out there or did you, did you just see a need to serve? Well, I always say I am not a professional politician. And you said I have this politician on the line. No, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm a mother first. I'm a yep. veteran, I'm a small business owner, I'm a caregiver, I'm all those other things, and I'm a soldier. I choose now to serve because it's needed, and I am in a very democratic state. And I'm Oh, a yes, you are. <laughs> That's right, and this is your state. This is your state, and so I need you to help me take back Massachusetts. And what I've been observing here because I've never you know, really been involved in legislation, is I have a lot of friends that go to the representatives here and they ask for help on a certain issue and they're ignored. So I think that you know, here in Massachusetts, Beacon Hill, they're not listening to the people. They're not listening to the small business owners. And that's the most important thing. A legislator should do is listen to the people and help them resolve their issues come up with a solution and I want to bring responsive leadership to Beacon Hill and if I win people need to know that that's what representatives do they don't push a certain ideology on people they need to listen to all the people whether they're Democrat Republican or independent we're all Americans first, and it just bothers me that people stereotype and label me uh, just because of a political party. I'm, I'm trying. I'm running because I want to bring people together, not divide us. And it's been really interesting. That's been yeah, and the main reason of why I want to run because I've always been a very uh, productive, efficient, uh, you know, idea uh, uh, solution 
person, develop uh, solutions, solve problems. That's the kind of representation that they need here. And I want to help small business owners, number one. And that is so refreshing to hear because I think that's something that not just Beacon Hill, but I think that's, that's a symptom that we're seeing everywhere in this country. I mean, I think that a lot of people forget that their first duty is to represent all the people that they're serving. And we get too wrapped up in party politics today. And it's, oh, well, you know, no one's crossing the line. I think there's a lot of issues out there. And I'm sure you'll, you'll tell us about some of those that it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. It's, it's about serving the people. And I, I think that's, you know, it's like I said, it's refreshing to hear that because we don't hear enough of it today. No. And our founding fathers said political parties, it would be the destruction to good governance. We shouldn't be picking sides. We need to be working together. And you know, in the military, that's what we do. We don't look at the color of your skin, your religion. We all come together and, you know, we're all green and we work together. And that's what I'd like to bring to the state house, if that's possible. But oh, also, too, here in Massachusetts, you also need to realize that uh, there is no balance. When you have 126 uh, Democrats and 31 Republicans, is that balance? <laughs> no, it's not balance. Right. <laughs> I, so, I didn't think there was that many Republicans. I know that uh, uh, Paul Frost was uh, my, my state rep, but um, uh, he was one of the few. So... But. And so, yeah, so, that you know, they really need to listen to their people. They need to get out there, and they shouldn't be um, professional politicians, you know. It's a two-year term, uh, and there should be term limits, and, you know, they need to be moving on and moving out and doing bigger and better things or, you know, allow someone else an opportunity to, to serve their community and serve their district because uh, that's what they should be doing. So, and I'm also so, not happy with uh, some of the current legislation that's being passed during a serious pandemic. That was another reason that caused me to run, because I have been telling everyone, listen, when there's an emergency, when serious things going on, leaders act. And mm -hmm. that's what we are in the military. We're leaders. We're all trained to work together as a team and lead. And so I'm not going to sit back and watch Massachusetts fall apart. So that's why I'm running, because that's I really believe in legislation that should be passed to protect the elderly, to pre protect our children. And safety and security is so important to me. Um, and currently, in a pandemic, they're pushing legislation that doesn't even focus on, you know, on the real street problems that are going on. Well, tell, tell us some about the, the issues. Um, I, I've checked out your website, so obviously I know what some of the issues that are, are near and dear to you, but you know, uh, fill in our listeners about some of the issues. Right. That well, I think, I think the number one issue and that people are really concerned about is they're worried about their jobs. Mm -hmm. They're worried about earning an income. Small business owners have not had a choice. So when all this happened, 
Why was Walmart allowed to stay open, but mom and pop shops had to close? And they weren't even allowed to be open. That's not fair. And they weren't even given an option. When you know small business is the heart of America. And that's why I help small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's the biggest problem. And if we don't have small businesses giving people jobs, what do these people do? Um, they can't rely on the government, you know, to, to give them a check that's even sustainable. And for, for the rent, you know, rent is really expensive here. Food is oh, yes. expensive. And in some of these places in Massachusetts, there is no transportation. So you have to have a car. And having mm -hmm. a car is expensive and insurance is expensive. So this, this is what I'm saying right here. That is the real challenge for hardworking Americans, probably all around the country. But if you're wealthy and you're retired or these things don't concern you, these things don't get fixed. And and what's the current feeling around Massachusetts? Are things getting anything close to back to normal yet or no? Well, I think every town is different. Um, mm -hmm. In uh, a, a lot of people, depending upon what community and town you live in, some people are really, really scared of COVID. You know, they've been inside for three months, four months. They're all working from home. And I know as a caregiver, the adult daycare place that my mom would go to, it's still closed. And that's really sad because there were so many people that went to this adult daycare. And at the daycare, they do activities, they interact, they keep their brain functioning. You know, they get up every day, they take a shower, they go to the location, the facility, and all of that's closed. So I could see all these individuals at home getting depressed. You know, who's taking care of them? And I think that's um, a big problem. You know, the sure. depression, and that's, I think. That, that isolation from their peers is has got to affect them as well. I mean, because that's something, you know, um, in, in my town where, where I lived in Millbury, I mean, the, the senior center was really, really busy all day long, every day of the week. And, you know, that was a, an area where they would go. And like you said, they'd get involved in activities. They'd, they'd stay active, you know. And uh, right now, I know a lot of people there are hurting because of it. And it's not just worrying about the COVID. It's, it's the mental outlook on things as well. And that's something, you know, uh, I, I believe in protecting our seniors and veterans. And I know Obviously, that's something that's near and dear to you as well. Right. The, the other thing is, I, you know, being in the military, that physical fitness is essential to us. Being mm -hmm. in shape, exercising, to exercise our bodies. Uh, and when all this happened, the gyms are all closed. And even to this day, I think some of the gyms are closed. They may never open again. G uh, owning a gym anyway, th th they've always, I think, always struggled. Mm -hmm. And and so the gyms were closed. And you know these these gyms, they could have they could have in place the proper safety protocol, cleanliness, all those kinds of things to stay running without having to shut them down for five months. 
and I think that that's another area where you know exercise is essential for some people because that keeps them mentally sane and physically healthy as well as let's say you go into rehab you need you need your physical therapy and if you can't go to the gym and, and do that kind of stuff you your body deteriorates your mind deteriorates and this all goes back into you know how how do you deal um with a pandemic and you know all this that happened you you have to place your small businesses um at the forefront so they don't lose everything that they've worked for Absolutely. And uh, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your your feelings on education as well, because I did read some of your stuff on your website. And I think that's something that our listeners would like to know about. Well, I always I'm I'm a a multicultural person (laughs) (laughs) and the children always come first the way I grew up. The children Mm -hmm. would eat first. Our children come first. We're we're responsible for the safety and the education of our children. And I think when you look at this whole pandemic, there also should have been priority in, okay, how are we going to get these kids back into school? How, how are we going to continue to teach them? And I know everybody's worked through it and they're doing online stuff, but kids can't be cooped up in a home. I've, I've knocked on doors and gone into real small homes, and when those kids – come to the door. They're excited to see me. I don't think they've seen anybody in months. And, you know, kids need to get out. They need to play. They need to release all that energy. And I think it's been really hard on on working moms or single moms or mom and dads who both work. And now one of them has to stay home and figure out how they're going to be the teacher and uh, still work at the same time. So education is so important on, okay, how are we going to move forward with these kids when are they going to open back the schools and come up with the safety procedures and the cleanliness and cleaning your hands and whatever the social distancing or take their temperatures i think we can be a little bit more proactive proactive when it comes to getting the kids back into school because right here in massachusetts somebody was telling me that his kids they play lacrosse and Mm -hmm. they finally let them practice but they have to stay six feet away from each other that lacrosse is a like a contact sport yes it is it's especially for the boys lacrosse team i mean that that's a very much a contact sport and uh you know it's very physical one at that so i i don't know how you would practice keeping six feet distance i mean outside I, I don't know. this is what this is what a parent told me actually today too and then he said well inside if they're going to go back to school they're going to do anything inside inside they could be three feet apart and I was like, does that make any sense? Because inside, you know, if the German bacteria is in the air, um, you're more likely to get it. Outside, you're not as likely. And you're in the sun and things like that. So everyone is just very confused right now. What do we do? And I, I, I think the biggest thing is you stay in good shape. You know, you lower your blood pressure. If you have diabetes, you work on losing that weight. You do all those things. You do all these things to try to be in the best physical shape as possible. Um, And that is what's going to help you defeat the virus if you get the virus. Because if you do get the virus, hopefully you survive. Right. And, um, you know, what's the situation look like uh, up in the state? Are are they going to allow the schools to open in the fall? Or is it going to continue the way they finished this last school year? 
I heard some schools are opening in September, mm-hmm. um, but most of the parents that I talked to are really not sure. They, 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 I don't think they've been told all the details about that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tough decision. I mean, I know a lot of people feel, you know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, it's it, some people feel very differently. And I know some teachers are very nervous about, you know, teaching again in a crowded school. And I understand that. I mean, it, it's just something we're going to have to work through. But uh, I don't know if there's uh, an easy answer to any of it. That's why that's why we hire we're we're going to hire people like you to you know <laughs> take over the well, leadership. Well, I have thing. all kinds of ideas and solutions on how to administer that, but it requires discipline and respect. And and sometimes that can be hard for the teachers to instill in in the students when they all get together. But you know, if the kids follow uh, the rules and if they have respect for each other and for their teacher, we can we can get them all back to school and learning again. And that that's a good lesson. Our, our young kids do need to learn respect for the elderly, respect for their parents, respect for property, respect for their teachers, and respect for themselves. I firmly uh, in agreement with you there. <laughs> so how can people, uh, how can they help out your... Uh... Yes. You know, your your campaign and how, how can they, they get can involved? help out my campaign? All those Massachusetts, uh, you know, Massachusetts-born people who've left this state, they can help me by going to my website at Ingrid, the number four rep dot com, rep dot com, Ingrid for rep dot com, and they can donate to my campaign. Uh, they can. Connect with me on uh, Twitter, all the social media. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. They can subscribe to my channel and like my post, share my post. And this is where it all started, right here in Massachusetts. And that's another thing that's so interesting. I I never thought I'd be running for politics, but here I am. There you are. (laughs) <laughs> and and I have been truly blessed by people coming and helping me who are veterans, you know, like Sal that right. introduced us, and he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's not Sal's a, a great guy, either. and uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Sal was the one that, you know, he had he had asked me if I had uh, heard of you, and I said no, I actually, uh, you know, because your area was just east of where I live, so right. I hadn't heard of your your campaign. But uh, when Sal told me about it, he was very much, he's very much a supporter of you. Uh, you know, he sent me the info and I, I immediately said, well, we're going to reach out to her. We're going to get her on the podcast and hopefully we can, you know, drum up some, some positive feedback and get some, you know, momentum going for yeah, your yeah. election. Yeah. So. so, you know, the biggest thing is, 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 you know, you know, the, the donations and the following on the social media. So, so people support me and we build a strong grassroots organization and let people know, I mean, this is where it all started. So we got to take it back. We can't allow, um, you know, a small group of people with a certain ideology to think that, um, you know, whatever they say is, is right. Uh, (laughs) 
you, we all need to respect everybody and respect each other's opinions. And I was telling someone today, you know, I'm not going to push my religion on anyone. I respect everyone's different faith. I respect everyone's family. And, and, and that's what representatives and politicians should do is, you know, do what's best for America and Americans. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, immigration and immigrants and your father and uh, both of your parents came from Argentina, wasn't it? No, no, no. My, my dad is from Argentina. My dad was a professional soccer player. So I didn't know my dad. My dad died when I was two years old. I was raised mm -hmm. by a single mom. And my mom was born in Puerto Rico. And my mom came to New York when she was, I think, five years old. Uh, and she had seven brothers and sisters. And they moved to the Bronx, New York. And so my dad was playing soccer in New York. Back then, it was just uh, the Cosmos and 50s oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So he met my mom. She was working. She was a waitress. And they got married. They had four children. And my dad was, is, was from the country in Argentina, Santa Fe. And then they moved to Buenos Aires. And so my dad really didn't like New York City. And we lived in New Jersey. So that was like, you know, the country for New Yorkers. <laughs> I mean, it's only, four, it's only like 20 minutes away across the George Washington Bridge. But all my cousins in New York were like, oh, you guys live in the boondocks. <laughs> and uh, my, my dad died, though, uh, when he was 30 years old in a car accident. You know, with mm. my, my mom was in the car, but my mom didn't die. You know, she was she was hurt badly. And that's one of the reasons why she has dementia today, because she had a lot of injury to her head. Mm. And I keep her very busy. I keep her very socially active. So she that's important, you know, yeah. keeps that brain working. I make her do math problems. And that's what dementia is. Your brain is shrinking. You're, you're forgetting. You're, you're, parts of your brain are shutting down. And you, you, you want to keep that active. Well, that's great. And, and so, uh, yeah, so my dad was from Argentina. He came here legally. You know, so I'm first-generation American. And actually, my husband, he is also uh, immigrant. So he uh, is originally from Mexico. And his family as well came here and he became an American citizen by going into the army. And yeah, so I'm all about, I mean, all my friends are immigrants from other countries who, who left those countries to escape communism, to escape, uh, and not, not just escape, just, you know, to have a better future. And they all came here legally. Uh, some of them even were in refugee camps and then had the opportunity to come here. And I think that's, I think that's the right way to do it, you know, to follow the laws, do it properly. And then if you're here, find a way to become an American citizen. And, and that, and, and that's, and that's a good thing. That's awesome. You assimilate, you assimilate into the country, you learn the language and then you work. But you know, I, I think our, our whole immigration system as well needs to be corrected and fixed. And, um, but we, we just can't have, you know, people crossing our borders um, illegally. We, we, I like to say this is an identification problem. We need to know who's here and what their intentions are, just like your own home. You just don't let anybody come into your home, right? If you no. have a party, you're going to let strangers in? <laughs> it's no. that simple. Yeah. And once we know 
who's here and, you know, if they have good intentions, then that's great. You get to stay. But we have people here who are threats to America. And I don't think that the average person may understand that. You know, you and I, we worked in the military. We had top secret clearance. We know that, that you know, national security um, is an issue. But if you've never lived in a border town, you've never lived in, in an area where you see that, you don't see, you know, you may think that that's not true or it doesn't happen. Right. Well, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a complicated situation. It and is. again, it comes down a lot of it comes down to politics and you know we this is something where as a country we all need to get together and um you know we have to agree on what's best for the, the entire country and not for any particular you know political party so right ho- hopefully that's one of the things you can change and it has to start somewhere and no place better than where it all began in the state of right. massachusetts so but uh, Ingrid, we, we want to really thank you for your time, uh, your patience, all of our questions and, you know, uh, for your insight. And, and we wish you the very best in the upcoming election. And um, hopefully we'll, we can do this again soon when we're talking about the newest state representative from the state of Massachusetts. Wow, that would be so awesome. I love <laughs> it. And I tell everyone. I will represent you well, and I will do everything I can, just like I've done my whole career, to uh, help others and help families and uh, help everyone. Well, thank you very much, and all the best to you and and to your family as well. And um, we'll be watching the polls, and hopefully we're going to hear some good news. Okay, good, great. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We've been on the air at Software Radio with Ingrid Centurion. She's running for office in the state of Massachusetts, a retired lieutenant colonel. And we want to thank her for being here on the podcast this afternoon, Software Radio, on time, on target. Please join us again for an, um, another upcoming episode. We'll be back real soon. But for myself, Steve Balistrieri, all of us here at Software, and for our guest this afternoon, Ingrid Centurion, thanks for listening. been listening to soft rep radio hey hey it's malcolm gladwell host of revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride your elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own brake kits led headlights whatever you need ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 